0: Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health be sure to grab the aligned chiropractors survival guide at alignedchirosurvivalguide.com now sit back take a deep breath and enjoy today's episode hey there i do have a guest to share with you today her name is dr aaron beer and dr aaron and i are going to talk about her experience working as an employee in an OBGYN practice. It's a really cool model that she's working in. It's a very all-encompassing, full-spectrum women's healthcare care model that um, the practice that she works in offers. And their motto even is your care, your way. So they have midwives, they have OBs. You get to essentially choose what care path do you want to go down? And their care coordinator, as you'll hear Dr. Aaron describe, speaks with every patient about chiropractic care. How amazing is that? One last thing I do want to share with you is that my annual planning event is coming up on December 12th and registration for that will be open soon. Annual planning event doesn't sound very exciting. We used to call it plan your best year ever, which was really fun and exciting. And plan your best year ever just doesn't really feel like the right fit after all that we've experienced in 2020. So right now we're just calling it the annual planning event. (laughs) But when you hear more about the events, I think you'll be excited. So hopefully, even though the name is kind of blah for the events, you'll know that this is something you won't want to miss. All of the Aligned Women members can attest for you why you want to be there. So if you know someone who's already a member, connect with one of them, ask them, should you be at this event? And I already know that they'll tell you, "Uh, yeah, you absolutely should be at this event, especially if it's your first time. If you've never done this planning that I take you through then it is like a must for you. So for now, just know that I'll be sharing more information with you about that. You might want to go ahead and reserve the date, December 12th. Okay, so here's Dr. Erin. I'll see you next week. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with a new guest to the show. Her name is Dr. Erin Beer. Dr. Erin and I connected because of a Facebook post that I posted. Let's see, the date was... June 15th. I can't believe it was that long ago already. It's October 5th as we're recording this today. And the post was a little snarky. I said, where did the idea come from that a person should see a chiropractor at 40 plus weeks for the first time to see if it helps? It drives me crazy. And Erin commented on that post about what she's doing in practice. And I thought this would be a great thing for us to talk about on the podcast. So that's what got us here today. Erin, Let's just start off with you sharing a bit more about who you are and what brought you to chiropractic.
1: Sure. It's kind of funny when you say June 15th, I was three days postpartum when you, when wow. I commented on that, so <laughs> I guess. I well, mean, it's a we good thing that we're not recording this episode of that post either, but um, I am a chiropractor in an OBGYN practice in Minnesota, the Twin Cities Metro, and I started within this practice four years ago and it has been a very great success. We just hired our second chiropractor. So after piloting the program for four years over two locations, we have two chiropractors now. That's really an exciting venture because as your post said, we who see a lot of pregnant women get a lot of women who want to start at 40 weeks, 38 weeks, even 36 weeks is sometimes like, okay, why are we starting so late? But our practice is trying to change the paradigm there where we are starting to recommend that you see the chiropractor at least around that 28 week mark if you haven't already. But we have a a first OB visit that is an hour and 20 minutes long, which seems long for a first OB appointment. However, you sit with a care coordinator who tells you all about the services we have here, goes over your insurance benefits and coverage, and then the chiropractor gets recommended and a lot of the midwives and OBs here will say, I don't want to talk about your musculoskeletal pain until you've talked to our chiropractor. So, oh, wow, That's it's, amazing. Um, it's been a great, it's been a great practice builder and how just collaborative we are as a practice. And I can bounce ideas off of, you know, the medical doctors and the, the other nurse practitioners and midwives. And likewise, they come to me and, and ask about appropriate referral.
0: Wow. Okay. So let's back up a few steps. What brought you to the chiropractic profession? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was a teenager. My parents saw a
1: chiropractor. My brothers saw the chiropractor for various athletic injuries. And for me, I was a teenager with a lot of headaches. And the chiropractor that I saw was a Gonzad practitioner in a very, very small town. And he identified the reason for my headaches was um, a little bit of hype. He had a lab in his practice, and he did a little bit of blood work, and it was low vitamin D, a little bit of hypoglycemia, and then we started regular adjustments, and I mean, I was missing a lot of school, and borderline taking migraine medication, et cetera, et cetera, and nothing was helping, and so I came to the profession where I was like, I want to do this, and all through college, I explored nursing and the medical profession, and to be a doctor of osteopathy, and it always came back to chiropractic. And in college, I worked in an office, and it's kind of funny, they, you know, I was kind of deterred to go to chiropractic school by a few veteran chiropractors who are just like, there's not any way to make a living in it anymore. And then I went to do it, and I said, now I have to strongly disagree.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you didn't listen to their limiting beliefs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's their experience, yeah, and... Getting through chiropractic school is one thing, like making a good living in chiropractic is a whole other thing that you don't learn anything about in chiropractic school. So not all of us that get through school are really meant to work in this profession for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Some of us, it's a stepping stone to other things, but some people also choose to just be angry about having become a chiropractor and feeling like it's not working out for them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there are those days where you're kind of, you feel that our scope is limited and that our education is so great where we can identify things and then do nothing about it. And then I realized, no, I work in an office where I can do something about it. Although I can't be the ultimate person who solves the problem to 100% of its severity, I can refer to the people around me who can help these women. And when I went into chiropractic, my goal and my motto was always get the person to the right kind of practitioner at the right time, and the person yeah. will have success and health. And sometimes it's the chiropractor, and sometimes it's an acupuncturist, and sometimes it's a massage therapist, and sometimes it's a medical doctor, a dentist. And so I've kind of always remembered that about myself and as my, you know, as a flourishing student, that that's who I decided to be as a chiropractor. And now that I work in, a, in an environment where we have so many people at our disposal, it has really worked out.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I've always felt the, the same way, you know, that we can't hold on to people too tightly because our job is to help them find what gives them a result, not necessarily to, to make them come into our office three times a week for 12 weeks, you know, for 48 visits. That If, if that doesn't help them create a change, to me, it's always been really hard to to justify having someone do that because Uh they need to be able to see not necessarily a tangible result, but they need to be able to see a result, especially if we want people to go out and talk about how wonderful chiropractic is. But even when you can't be the person that creates the result, you know, who to send that person to, to help them get the change that they're wanting to make. They're going to remember that you were that person who got them to the right place. And I've seen that happen over the last 12 years. I don't know, maybe hundreds of times now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, side note. I did not have the chiropractic story that you have. I literally just chose this as a profession because I under, I majored in marketing and social work in undergrad and I did my business internship at Walgreens, <laughs> which is like, yeah, <laughs> but it paid really well. Uh, and it was a paid internship. It was like, duh, why would I not? So I was making I great money as a yep. junior in college during my internship. And working at Walgreens, I thought, like, I wanted to work in the pharmacy because, you know, they do a really great job of of making you think that the pharmacy and like, you know, the over the counter medications are about helping people be healthy. And I was Uh really always kind of interested in health. And so I was choosing between pharmacy school and chiropractic and I ended up choosing chiropractic and it felt like such a huge, huge leap, but I am so glad, I mean, so glad that I did not choose pharmacy. Maybe if I had, I would have gone on a different path. Maybe I wouldn't like think as holistically and naturally as I do about health now, but if I had chosen pharmacy and I have the brain that I do now about health, I'd be miserable. I would have already left pharmacy.
1: It's funny because the pharmacists that I do know are so cautious about medication use. <laughs> right. They do their job in filling prescriptions and talking about pharmaceuticals with their patients. However, yeah. so many of the ones that I, I see are like, even with ibuprofen, they're like, we don't, we don't take a lot of ibuprofen. I said, well, good for you. And you're coming to get adjusted.
0: So that's the best of both worlds. Yeah. You work on your feet all day long. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So tell me more about the practice that you work in now. Do you want to share a bit more about how this came to be? Sure.
1: I was working in a practice as an associate and I had been there for about two years, a little over two years. And I was, wasn't, seeing I had gone through a lot of life change. I had just gone through a divorce and I was called into my boss's office. And it was just kind of one thing stacked on the other. And I was there for a performance review that was kind of an impromptu performance review. I didn't know what was coming. I sat down and my boss asked, how did I think I was doing in practice? And I always had it you know, I got really emotional when things came up about my performance. My confidence level just wasn't where it needed to be for being two years out of school. I still felt like I just entered the workforce and I didn't know what I was doing. And anyway, I was told that I wasn't asking my patients to come in enough. I wasn't seeing enough enough patient visits to be profitable. And um, I was written out a plan of action for the next 60 days and how my performance needed to improve and I went home and I thought about that and I got a little emotional about it and I, I opened a bottle of wine and I decided I was going to type an email to the OBGYN who owned a practice that had been referring multiple patients over the last seven months to me and some of those patients drove, you know, 45 minutes. And in the Twin Cities metro, if you're not familiar with the area, there's a chiropractor on every corner here. So um, they're not all a dime a dozen. There's a wonderful practices across the metro, and some of which I am very collaborative with and I, I talk to for advice, et cetera. But I ended up, I sent this email, didn't know what was going to come of it, I'd only met the owner operator one other time during a lunch and learn and he was such a busy OBGYN that he literally stopped in the door and was like, hi, bye, like, who are you? What are you here for? And then he did, I don't even think he ate the lunch that I brought. But anyway, I sent him an email and I think I waited like a week, maybe, until I heard back from him. And he gave me three options. He gave me an option to work in his practice as an employee, as an independent contractor, or to just continue on what I was doing. And I, at the time, was like, well, we wouldn't want to be an employee? Let's just go, let's explore that option. And so we started the conversation, we met, we talked a little bit about the finances of chiropractic and how it wouldn't be necessarily the largest revenue stream in an OBGYN office compared to other services that he had going on. However, um, it would be a really vital piece in what was missing in a holistic practice and he really he advertised his practice as a holistic and natural way partly because we have midwives a team of midwives and so i said that this is a vital piece that you're missing this is what i'm worth this is what i do this is how many patient visits i was seeing before and maybe we can work something out and within three months i had a signed contract and left my job to start i didn't have a table my first day, I had to adjust on an OBGYN bed. That's and that interesting. I've never bit, done that before. Yep. A <laughs> little bit high. Um, yeah. You know, it was one of those things where they had opened up my schedule, and I had to make it work for about three or four days before we could get my ergo style into the into the room. But we made it work, and now I work at two locations. And we have a second chiropractor who just started at the beginning of August. So in terms of how this piloted program that was just a little baby in my mind grew into a flourishing chiropractic practice within an OBGYN clinic, it, it's amazing.
0: Do you think that you just got lucky and found the right MD OB to have this relationship with? Because I know a lot of people are wanting more OBs in particular to, to understand how chiropractic fits into the prenatal care picture who feel like they're not, OBs aren't interested or they're not listening or they just don't care?
1: I maybe got lucky. I, I will say though, the luck was just in the practice paradigm. This practice depends on its midwives. We have OBGYNs on staff. And so you have your choice. We call it a your care, your way model where the midwives are available. If you want to have an MD only pregnancy, you can choose that. At the time we were small though, I was the sixth provider to start. And so now I think there's over 30 providers. I don't know, I'd have to look at our website, but in four years we have definitely grown. And so I think that I'd like to encourage women to change the conversation that they're having with those OBGYNs. You kind of have to enter their world a little bit and use Mm -hmm. their lingo. You kind of come in with our chiropractic philosophies outside Sometimes you're not going to catch their attention the way you think we should catch their attention, but I think when I was straight out of school, I did a lunch and learn for this. I, I mean, I couldn't even afford to do the lunch and learn that I gave them, but I went a little bit over overboard, and I had created this chiropractic guide to pregnancy, and I, I found these books, and I had you know written this little guide of how I can help manage chiropractic cases in their ob-gyn mm-hmm. paradigm and so that conversation opened up a whole the whole opportunity so i think what i'm trying to say here is that women need to step into a little bit of the medical model for a little bit and kind of cross the bridge to get their attention and then come back and educate your patients once you're there that was the biggest struggle for me i didn't really know that i knew what i was ta- i mean i knew what i knew what i was talking about but it was a very hard conversation to change my lingo to grab their attention and i i spoke to the midwives before i spoke to the obgyns
0: well and it can be very intimidating too right to to speak with mds and ob's about their language to speak to them in their language can feel scary because you don't feel like the expert in their language no not at all
1: It Um, was, and and at their time of day, they are very busy, and they have. When now that I know, they have really bigger fish to fry. They have. We I work in a very high risk clinic too, so the women we see, they're very high risk in their pregnancies. So when they're talking about something like chiropractic, and they're just worried about having a successful outcome, that you know, that's one of the other factors that went into how can we also have. Some relief for these high-risk women, and know that it is safe.
0: So, if we go back to that post that I posted back in June, and I, <laughs> I said, "Where did this idea come from that you know you should you should wait until you're 40 weeks?" I don't think that it's even a thing that people are thinking like I should wait. Maybe sometimes they do say that or think that, but that they they decide you know when they're 40 weeks or 41 weeks to go to a chiropractor to see if it works. I think a lot of that is on. Um, our parts that we've, we've set this expectation that we can like make miracles happen, which do happen, but shouldn't be the expectation to have happen, <laughs> especially yeah. with prenatal care and, and birth in general, it's so unpredictable, right? But that being said, how do you see the, the practice that you're working in, the model that you're working in, working to change that notion that you can wait to 40 weeks if you've got a breech baby and maybe go to the chiropractor one time. That'll help.
1: Uh, we have an awesome set of care coordinators. They are a physician here at Minnesota women's care that discusses all of the things at the first OB visit. So when a woman comes in and she's pregnant, they're, our touch points in her pregnancy that they will meet with this care coordinator. Whether that's their first OB visit and they're going through some health history things and then they are offered the services and their financials and what their pregnancy is going to cost, they are presented chiropractic care. They are told that we have two chiropractors on staff five days a week and then they are laid out that their insurance either covers or doesn't and this is what it will cost you if you choose not to run it through insurance. Um, so there it's laid out flat at the first visit about what their care could look like. And our little insert is in a folder so they get to see a face with the name of the chiropractor. So they they get they get to see us on a little photo insert in a folder for all of their first OB information. Because that visit is very overwhelming. You've just had an ultrasound, so you heard the heartbeat of your baby for the first time. And you then are going to see a provider about all the Labs you're going to have drawn, so it's a it's a long appointment. And if you've never been pregnant before, it's one of the most exciting appointments because of because of all of those things. And then you're getting presented with the chiropractic information piece. So it's presented at that very first OB, and then there are touch points in the pregnancy um, that the care coordinator will remind the patients of chiropractic care. But also we have a great staff who, if a patient during an OB visit Say they come in, their 16-week visit, and they're having some joint pain or, or back pain, or sometimes they even send, you know, they send them, they're like, okay, if you can't sleep, just go and see Erin or Jack. Jacqueline is the other chiropractor here. So it's, it's said by the staff, the providers, the other providers here are very supportive of, I don't want to talk about your musculoskeletal complaints. Thank you for telling me that you have them. Here's what I want you to do about it. So. It's a great, it's a great tool.
0: Care yeah. coordinators,
1: though, set the they set the foundation.
0: Well, and what I'm hearing as you describe this is that the providers that you work alongside with all understand each other's um, true scope, if you will. Like, where is your specific? expertise how do you help each of the patients and like you just do what you're really best at and let everybody else do what they're best at so that you can work together for the best outcome for the patient correct which is like that's utopia (laughs) in in the healthcare model that we currently have i mean it's i feel like it's um it's not something i see frequently
1: it is it it is A dime a dozen, I will say there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people who have jobs like I do. And I that's why I wanted to I reached out for the podcast because we are like you said, some of it's on the patient for starting at 41 weeks and what is there, what to see if it works. Is it going to see if it works for their back pain, to see if it works to help their baby turn vertexes, see if it works to get them into labor. I don't know what sometimes like what they think (laughs) is going to happen. But usually, a patient starting that late at least pops up off the table and says, I should have started that a long time ago. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm very lucky. And I I just can't encourage other women, if you have a bad day at practice and you're just not satisfied with where you're at, I can't say enough that if you have a relationship with an OBGYN office, sometimes it just takes a hard conversation. I I think that's a really important scary conversation
0: because there wasn't a, um, a person that was like, oh, you know, I heard this OV was looking for a chiropractor to work right. <laughs> right in their practice. You just took the initiative to reach out and say, here's where I'm at. Are you interested in talking about this further? Which a lot of people wouldn't do, quite honestly, or they would think about it and think about it and they would think about it and think about it. <laughs> like, they wouldn't just do the thing, but you had an experience that was painful enough for you, that was like the motivator to do something different. You don't have to wait for something that's like a rock bottom moment. You can just decide now that you want things to be better or you want to, you know, fulfill a greater vision and do the thing now instead of waiting until you get fired from your associate position or (laughs) whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly.
1: I would also say there's enough freestanding birth centers popping up all over as well, that's another great avenue for chiropractors to look into. Um, yep. I was working part-time um, and I know that maybe, I don't know, hi Dr. Amber, hi Kelly, some of these people might be listening to the podcast, I'm not sure, but they. I worked in a group of three other women at the time who worked within a birth center and they were, we were doing labor visits on call and they, we rented the space inside the room. So if birth centers are other avenues I just knew when I left chiropractic school that I wanted to work with pregnant women. I had taken the ICPA courses and I, I just knew that when I was in school and I wasn't willing to sacrifice being years and years in practice unhappy, I needed to find a way for it to fit.
0: Yeah, no, nobody should be wasting any time being unhappy, period, mm-hmm. end of story. Yeah. <laughs> the practice that you work in obviously has grown significantly if in the, it in four years now that you've been there? Correct, yep. And, and the platforms I think is only six or seven years old. Wow. So you've gone from six providers to roughly thirty providers in about four years' time. What Correct. do you think is working well to help this business grow?
1: Well, I think because we have a diverse staff, we have we have across the board something for everybody. We again for OB, the draw is we deliver at two different hospitals in separate parts of the Metro. So we can draw from Northern Metro kind of outskirts, Southern Metro, Eastern Metro. And we offer kind of a, a start to finish. When you're pregnant, you we have the OB care. And when you're done, we have two of the most successful board certified urogynecologists, but we also have a pelvic floor PT. And we do a lot of pelvic floor restoration here. So women with pelvic pain, they don't have to suffer postpartum people who are leaking urine, there's, there's help for you. So I think from that very first step, start, even when you're a teenager, thinking about your first OB visit or your first gynecological exam, going off to college or whatever, you can start there and then you can follow the providers and meet a little bit of everybody. And I think that's um, what helps this clinic be such a success. Also, the way you can cater your care I think that is another big draw. Like I told you earlier, the your care your way. That mentality of feeling like you have some sort of control over your care means a lot to women. You're you we are our best advocates for ourselves. And so when you have the opportunity to see, you know, a provider that's maybe got a little bit more of a holistic mindset and they jive with what you you are thinking, they maybe will listen to what types of labs or concerns that you have about hormones or postpartum care, etc. I think that that helps. So we're kind of, we touch a little bit along the way of a woman's journey and we take a woman as a whole and across their lifespan, not just when you're pregnant.
0: It's really cool. It's like the model that I've dreamed of having in the area that I live in that still doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Um, my last question for you is in regard to something we touched on a little bit before we were recording, which is um, just how you how the practice that you're working in now is working to create positive change in regard to birth outcomes for women of color. And I say women of color, and, and I just want to say people of color, yeah. specifically black, black birthing families, because it is pretty atrocious. atrocious when you look at the statistics, on um, the outcomes, and the disparity. The disparity is what's like really mind-blowing to me because at first you could think like women in general don't have great outcomes from birth in our current medical model, but there mm-hmm. is statistically is a large difference from a white woman to a black woman's experience and what they're likely to face um, giving birth in our country. Yes.
1: Well, being a private practice, we were able to create our own model of how we were going to do antenatal testing, antenatal care, um, and surveillance. So I think in order to answer this question, we have high-risk patients. I, we talked about how our clinic has a lot of high-risk OB patients, and that's anywhere from gestational diabetes to hypertension to pregnant women of you know all shapes and sizes and colors. So when you look at being a private standalone practice, we were able to create the own, I shouldn't say we, my, my boss was able to create his own model of how he wanted to undergo his antenatal testing. So I think the clinic takes a very close eye or has a very close eye on our high risk patients and we have anything, we have sonography or sonogram, son, sonographers in house. So we have, every clinic has its own ultrasound machine. So we take into consideration how often we can monitor some of our high-risk patients. And we, so we do have women of color on our staff who can also be present to discuss things. We have an educational system where we have what's called Mom's Breakfast Club. So once a month, we have an educational system where we get together and we discuss a topic. And that's a provider level. So it's a provider, nurse practitioner, midwife, OBGYN or our lactation consultant, and we all take turns doing a monthly special topic. So there's an educational piece. We have a breastfeeding class, and we also have a childbirth preparation class to help our women who are in the high-risk category. It's not only for high-risk, but it is very helpful for those who are in the high-risk category.
0: Well, you're bringing up something I don't know that I've really thought about in depth, which is um, the the high risk factor, right? That being equipped to manage clinically manage high risk cases is, in some ways, a way for you to support people of color because, unfortunately, there may be more people of color who are high risk.
1: And that is, I think, that's a trend that we see in the clinic, in our our clinic specifically. It's hard to speak on the OB side of things when I I don't see that, but but that is just having the opportunity and the clinic availability. And we accept all sorts of insurance here, so there isn't any discrimination against who can be seen in our clinic, so that they have the same medical access within our clinic to chiropractic care, to the pelvic floor therapy, to their OB, GYN or midwife. So they get the same access because of the way we accept our insurance.
0: (sighs) Okay. So what would you like to leave us with before we wrap this conversation up? What do you think the biggest thing is that you want other people to know about who are, there's a lot of chiropractors out there who like just dream of working in this kind of model that you work in. What is it for them to know? Would say since many of the chiropractors are small businesses,
1: look for other small businesses. Although OBGYN practices seem um, intimidating, try and find a local small private practice um, to to reach out to. That's how I found fa- I found this one, and I got I maybe you can say I did get a little lucky. This clinic was you no, know, just a, it was a baby itself when I first contacted or re- reached out to them, but I don't think that should stop you. I think if you are are thinking that you want to work with more pregnant women or you want to learn a little bit more about how you can fit into the model of a pregnant person's care, I think that you should try and find a smaller private OBGYN or birth center. It does not have to have midwives at it. Again, I didn't know or talk to a midwife before I went straight to the head honcho. So I think it's just it's learning how to discuss things in their language. And it took a little bit of learning for me to have that conversation. I prepared for my interview for hours and days. And again, it took three months to have a signed contract. So patience, which is something I'm not good at, those listening and those who might know me or went to school with me know that I am not a patient person. But I think in the end, it paid off and never stop learning, never stop asking questions about OB, OB care. I had my first baby in June, and I knew nothing. I, you think we, we think we know so much until we go through it ourselves, and, and then we just continue to learn. And so if you can continue to learn and have the change in your conversation with these
0: professionals, then I think you can have a successful outcome. I hope that you know that you're not alone and feeling like despite all that you knew from your education and clinical experience, you really knew nothing about what motherhood was actually like. I felt the same way. In fact, I felt that way with every single baby that I've had. And the first one especially was eye-opening, of course. I had completed my residency in sports and rehab. I had her and I had a cesarean birth. And it was like months afterward, after her birth, that I learned about diastasis recti. And I was like, how did I get through chiropractic school two semesters of OB classes and a two-year residency in sports and rehabilitation and never once heard the words diastasis recti uttered? I'm like, what a disservice to actual women's health care that is. And I just had to learn it all on my own.
1: Even through the ICPA courses, I feel like I took, maybe my mind wasn't ready for it. We did cover it. And I was, you know, thinking about, you know, T6 or Tri 6 exams. I, (laughs) you know, while we we were covering that, I feel the same way. There were a lot of things in in pregnancy that we didn't cover. We didn't, uh, positions of the placenta as well. I mean, I remember vaguely for board exams talking about placenta previa, but not really Mm -hmm. in in its... um, relation to how we should adjust and what contraindications there might be for certain things. So
0: I learned a lot. For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, to be fair as well, the, like you can't really fully grasp the experience until you just experience the experience. And then it's, it's like, true. It's oh, this true. is what this is real. This is what this is really like. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Yep.
1: I've been back to work for a month now. And I will say that I believe now that I have become a better chiropractor because I am a mother. And I heard that all along from other chiropractors that you are a different chiropractor after you become a mom. And I can definitely attest to that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yes. Okay, great. All right. So if someone would like to learn more about the practice that you work in or connect with you, where's the best place for them to go?
1: They can find me on Facebook. I am at I think it's my maiden name, Erin Epperly, DC of Minnesota Women's Care. So I'm on Facebook. And you message me, or my email address is erin e82987 at gmail.com. And that is another good place. And I've talked to students and I've talked to other chiropractors about, about things. So feel free to email me. I do take about 24 hours to respond. Only because I don't check my email that often, I'm really bad about it. So I don't have any other excuse other than I just don't check it as often as I should.
0: 24 hours is a very fast turnaround, so there's nothing to apologize there for. (laughs) All right, great. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. It's been really awesome to connect with you.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the women who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time, freedom, and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor. Be sure to grab the aligned chiropractors survival guide at alignedchirosurvivalguide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.